Welcome everyone to Athena's Blueprint for Success. I'm Holly Smithson, Athena's CEO and your host. This program is being brought to us by our partners and friends at San Diego Gas and Electric. And in our studio, we have a very fascinating and very animated guest, uh, Madhushree Ghosh. She is the uh, Vice President of Global Strategic Alliances and Projects at Neogenomics. Uh, Madhu, thank you so much for coming in and sharing your story. Thank you so much, Holly. This is such an honor. So we have to get we have to dig into the details because I know we have a really fascinating story. I want to I want to kick off for our audience. Um, the purpose of this program really is to draw inspiration um, from those and some of the struggles and the challenges that you have experienced in your journey, um, and more importantly, the triumphs. So tell us a little bit about your your journey and your background and how you uh, got into the STEM fields. Um, I was in the STEM field in India. I come from India. I came to the US, you know, the typical uh, immigrant story of a few travelers checks and uh, two suits filled with spices from India because my mother thought there were no spices in America. At least in 93, when I came here, there weren't, not so many. So I, she was right. So I came here uh, to study in grad school and, um, and uh, Science was pretty much what I knew how to do. Science was what I was good at. I come from a family of journalists. I come from a family of uh, refugees. When India was divided into India and Pakistan, when the British left in 1947, my parents moved. Uh, as children, they moved from what's now Bangladesh into uh, West Bengal, a state in India. And uh, so, you know, you always have the story of of what the immigrant life, the refugee life has been. So when I came to, to the US, it was the same kind of strategy, the same kind of drive. Um, I was the first girl from my family to come to America. So um, there was no pressure. No, I'm kidding. There was a lot of pressure. There was a lot of pressure to, to perform, to do the right thing. So science was what I knew how to do. Coming from a family of journalists, I knew how to write. So there was a combination of both, but... Um, come from South Asia, you end up uh, doing what your parents want you to do, which is what I did, get my PhD and, and my postdoc in molecular biology, um, and then get a job here um, in, a, in a startup, actually, to be, to be uh, very frank about the first part. No idea what a startup did, no idea how to get around to, to setting up a lab, but I thought that was the best experience I could have is you know, you're just thrown in, you're thrown into uh, chaos and you're just, and the chaos is, is basically an empty lab. An empty lab is your chaos. And so filling it in, but filling it in right and making sure that you're able to get uh, financially a sensible lab set up, but scientifically a lab that needs to uh, perform uh, was a great training. Um, so my career primarily has been moving from the lab bench getting into product development, working on regulated products, uh, leading teams um, in lab. So it was pretty much an R&D role when I started out. Um, and uh, I just remember, and I tell this story to a lot of my mentees, um, because I feel like it's very important for folks to understand that maybe you need to know what you don't want to do. And I was an excellent pipetter. <laughs> I was an excellent pipetter. I still, I, I miss that. I can pipette well, but you know, I date myself and I tell people this is how we did it. And they're like, no, we have automation for that. Um, I was the automation. So, uh, but I actually went up 16 steps 
to my executive vice president's office and I said, I don't want to be uh, just doing basic research. Basic research was great, but I wanted to do more than that. And by the time I came down, the product development leader in the company actually stopped me in the hallway and said, hey, uh, I just heard that you wanted to move into product development. Again, had no idea of design control, didn't understand regulated products, didn't understand anything, but I was thrown into that because I'd gone up to the executive vice president and said, I want to do something else. So sometimes you just have to make that decision that I don't want to do this, but I don't know what else I want to do, but I'm open. So when you're open enough, then um, opportunities come to you. So I moved into product development, worked in a lot of um, you know, regulated products, 510Ks, PMAs, and then, then started moving into more leadership roles, uh, working on multiple uh, programs where you're talking to investors, you're talking to boards, um, and then... Uh, then uh, working in a somewhat of a startup company, but an international startup company, which then gave me access to understanding how you negotiate with people outside of, um, of the usual American culture. So I'll give you an example. Uh, this group was, um, is British and they were the research team members. My team here in product development, they were product developers. And so we thought, Early morning on Friday, let's have a conversation. Let's find out, hey, um, England, tell us what you up to, what are you doing? And you know, we'll tell you what's going on. And invariably we get comments like, yes, no, uh, we'll do that on Monday. Uh, we did it, we'll give you the data next week. And we're like, what is going on? Why are they not talking to us? Like, what, like we are nice, we are good people, you know? So then I go, go to them in, in uh, England and I'm, I'm talking to them and they're nice taking me places. I'm like, okay, so there seems to be a disconnect. We're speaking the same language. <laughs> and then one day I'm sitting with them and they and we talk about this. I was very open. I'm like, okay, tell me what am I doing wrong? And they come back and say, your meeting is on Friday evening. I'm like, no, it's Friday morning. Like, no, it's Friday morning for you guys. It's Friday evening for us you're cutting into our pub time. So I was cutting into their pub time and I didn't realize. You know? And so even, I always say this, you may speak English, but that doesn't mean culturally you connect. So you have to understand, you know, what motivates people, what makes them happy, what doesn't make them happy in order for you to get, get a program going. So uh, that's how my relationship management style started of just trying to understand what makes you tick. And um, um, I feel, you know, as scientists, we've been told, you know, work hard, do really well at the bench, then move into, you know, leadership roles within science. But nobody tells um, that while you're chasing that paper, while you're chasing um, the first author in a paper, uh, that it's actually a team effort. Whereas in corporate America, everything is a team effort. Everything is a team effort. You can't be like, well, I don't think marketing is doing enough. Only R&D is doing a lot or commercial is doing the, everything. I think we all work together as a team. And the earlier we understand that, the better. And I feel like within STEM, within, um, within our PhD postdoc graduate school studies, we should have, um, you know, sessions of teamwork, like what does teamwork look like? And I feel that has what has propelled me to move out of lab and then move into strategy and building alliances with other companies and other partners. 
using that skill. But that skill is different. It doesn't come, nobody can teach you that, in my opinion. Well, I think that's, I think that's a really powerful um, observation for our audience. Um, the idea that um, so, so many uh, women in the research feel as if there's a, a marginalization or a disenfran um, feeling disenfranchised. Um, and that collaborative spirit that you talk about that is so um, pivotal to the ultimate success of getting your drug to market or your product to market. And, and, and obviously executing on these strategic alliances that are, that are just so critical. Um, but if we don't have that collaboration and we don't understand the value of the team and that we're only as strong as our weakest link, then all of the efforts are moot. So in the absence of actually communicating the big picture with all of the different business units, um, I think is, is, um, is a salient point. Um, and, and, and I want to, I want to address something that you said, because I think it's really, um, I think it's very poignant. And as a lot of women out there are reassessing, like we've heard a lot of different names about the, the she session and the great re uh, resignation and the great reevaluation and all these other, uh, uh, nifty, uh, nicknames, but you talked about how important knowing what you don't want to do. And, and that takes trial and error. And the fact that you went to your boss and said, hey, I want to get out of this and I want to try this. Hey, I want to get my nose. I want to get my feet dirty in here. I want to stick my nose in here. There puts off a certain level of um, willingness and openness and curiosity that I suspect the, you know, maybe some of the audience don't feel comfortable in doing that. Yeah. Right? And so yeah. I'd, love to, I'd love to hear what motivated you and, and gave you that gumption to say, yeah, put me, put me, put me in the ring. <laughs> um, I, I'd like to take some time to talk about this because, um, because everybody thinks, whoever knows me in the biotech industry thinks I'm an extrovert and I'm actually an introvert. Um, and so when I tell people that they're like, oh, but you know, everybody, you talk to everybody, et cetera, et cetera, which is true, I do. Uh, but I've also been in this business long enough. What that means is, as an introvert, I am talking to you because I want to talk to you. I, I'm talking to you because I feel like I'll get something from you, and I hope that you get something from me. I want this to be a win-win situation. But after we are done speaking, I want to curl up in bed. You know, I'm done. Like I, that's that's as much energy as I can muster. And I feel a lot of us around here who are listening to this would also say the same thing that you know that they like to be in lab or in front of their laptop, whatever it is. And to those people, I'd like to say, when I went up those 16 steps to talk to the executive vice president of R&D of that company, my legs were shaking, my voice was shaking. I literally needed to breathe 10 times before I got into his office. It was scary. So um, I'm trying not to use foul words, but it was, you know, scary. <laughs> so. Sometimes you have to do, I think it was Eleanor Roosevelt who said, you know, do one thing that greatly scares you. And, and I do that all the time. I'm really afraid of heights. I, I go hiking because of that. I've been scooched up and down, but I will go hiking because of that. I don't know how to swim. And so I will go to the beach and I will try to get it as far as I can before I, I, I get in trouble. But I, I try to do all these things primarily because because I feel your body is going to remember, your brain is going to remember. And once you have that experience, 
you can overcome the next step. You just need incremental steps of courage. You don't need to be this superhero each time. That's, that's how I've always operated. Um, I also am a strong proponent of mentorship. And by that, I mean, not that you go up to your boss or your boss's boss and say, hey, please mentor me. Some of my mentors have been my team members. Some of my mentors have been, um, have been colleagues of mine at the same level, you know, uh, same, you know, working together as scientists. It's just you, you're trying to get some ideas out there and you just need to work it through. And so if you've talked to a friend at work, that friend understands that friend is also your mentor. Um, and you need to start to be a little vulnerable. When I tell people all these stories, these are not stories that, you know, I'm just saying out loud now. I've been talking about it for many years. The reason why I keep bringing this up is because as soon as I say it, I can guarantee you there'll be quite a few of you who'll say, yes, you know, I feel the same way because we are not, I mean, none of our emotions are are spectacularly our own. All these, all these experiences that we've had, some of us have had maybe 10 years ago or yesterday, but we've had it. So here's your opportunity to be vulnerable, but also to be brave about it without being a superhero about it. I, um, it it's, it's so fun when I get to hear um, women of your stature and, and certainly your, uh, your career success to talk about the role and the, the value of being vulnerable and being brave and pushing through fear, uh, notwithstanding. And, it, and the more women hear uh, that, uh, that counsel and that, that wisdom, uh, I hope it becomes a little bit more accessible because we can read about it and you know, getting, and getting our master's or in leadership programs like Athena offers. But until you actually get the boots on, you get the gloves on and you get in the arena, it, it really is just a concept and, and you actually have to put it into practice to see how it ends up. And, and your story, I hope, sheds a light on, on how, um, on how that, that, that brave, that courage can, can, can bring us. And just to add to that, I know you mentioned the great resignation and, um, and I feel like the pandemic has done a lot of harm to all of us, but the pandemic has also highlighted certain things that we were doing that were extremely harmful, extremely harmful to our people, uh, especially women of color, especially women of color, especially women in uh, uh, domestic uh, violence situations. And, uh, you know, biotech uh, is not immune to that. So I feel the pandemic for us to take a step back and then realize this is not what I want to do is the reason why I'm quitting or this is not what I want to do is the reason why I'm moving to another job or another function is a great thing for us in the sense that now corporate America is also listening. So they are also listening and they just want to hear what makes you tick. Um, you know, leaving, leaving at 4 p.m. to go to the pub, leaving at 4 p.m. to go to your kid's hockey game leaving at 4 p.m. just because you want to read a book. Whatever it is that makes you tick, if, if folks know, then they can adjust accordingly. I think the issue was we were all pretending that we were okay with this and we were not. Yeah, the boundary, the boundary, the boundary setting is, is really, um, I think one of the, 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 um, the high points of the pandemic because now everybody knows I've got to establish those boundaries. I've got to communicate those boundaries and then I've got to exercise them. Um, in exactly. perpetuity, um, <laughs> not on occasion, but in perpetuity, or you absolutely 
um, get taken down by fatigue. I want to talk about, um, you know, you have a very, very fascinating um, journey and and I know that you have a book coming out um, just, I think, in a week or so. I'd love for you to talk about that as obviously an esteemed um, doctor, uh, scientist, uh, global um, biotech expert. And now we get to add uh, an acclaimed author to that long list of accomplishments. So tell us a little bit about your book um, and when it's coming out and how we might be able uh, to, to get access. Oh, thank you. You can go on. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> No, but thank you so much, Holly, for that. Um, so this is, again, another thing. As I mentioned to you right at the beginning, I come from a family of journalists. So um, my, my mother's side, everybody was in the newspaper business. So I've been writing for quite a while. But then when I got into grad school, my mother sat me down and said, hey, your brain is where it's going to take you places. So please focus on your PhD. That's what you do. So I stopped writing. Uh, I used to write before that. I stopped writing. And then it took me about 10 years post PhD, postdoc, when I got into my first job and I, I, I started writing again. But uh, my writing has been uh, primarily uh, focused on social justice issues, um, surprise, uh, because it's, it's been primarily about immigration, it's been about women in science, it's been about my own journey as a woman in science, um, and also food, because I feel like if I don't talk about food, then Mother Shikosh doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. so, um, uh, so the book is called Kabar, An Immigrant Journey of Food, Memory, and Family. Um, the book is what's called a braided collection of essays about immigrants, how the immigrants, migrants, and indentured people who've traveled all over the world. And I focused on South Asians because where I come from um, and highlighted my own uh, journey as an immigrant and my parents' journey as refugees from uh, what's now Bangladesh. Um, and it's, it's a question of the reason why I'm talking about it in this sense and not about science is because science is obviously involved because I'm there, but it's, it's a question of where do we belong as immigrants, where do we belong and what does belonging mean to us when we move to a country that's thousands of miles away, how do we remember home, we usually remember home through music, uh, what we wear and what we eat, and at the end of the day it's what we eat that stays stay strong. Um, and so, so that's what I've talked about. It's available anywhere you, you buy books. Um, and um, thank you for letting me talk about it. Yes, we, uh, we always like to track the success um, of the women in Athena, because it's so interesting to see how people take their talent and their passion, um, and, and not just within the STEM field, but also just as a model, um, as a template. Uh, for others, and I, I, I just wanted to shine a light on that because I think it's a, it's a huge accomplishment um, for all. I of mean, I, if I may add to this, I think what people do tell us a lot, and I struggle with this myself, is uh, not talk about that part of your life as if that doesn't exist. But, uh, but I feel just like we talk about family and we talk about us being a, a career people. Um, some of us are creative folks alongside this. I think we should be talking about this because frankly, the universe did not give us a full brain so we could just use one part of it. We use both parts of it. I, I, uh, I yeah, there is, we are, there are many people that are not optimizing the full capacity of the brain. <laughs> um, and, and what a, and what a loss that is for. Right. So this, this is my little, little spiel on let's use both sides of our brain and let's, let's be a little brave about sharing that. 
Nice. You know, I read something the other day on LinkedIn and it talked about um, the Indian culture. And I think I might have linked you on it, uh, but it talked about how so many of the, the life science and the tech companies that are being led by uh, Indian uh, folks from um, India have a higher degree of success, uh, a higher, um, a richer, uh, more, more friendlier culture, high performing culture because of that level of humility that is often associated with the Indian tradition. And I thought, oh my gosh. And then they had all these examples, right? And I thought, oh my gosh, if we could just bottle up that humility with all of these leaders that are, lead, you know, taking, you know, revolutionizing uh, technology and, 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 and healthcare, um, mm. it, would be, uh, it would be a gift that would go far and wide. I, I would love to say that that comes from the culture, but I think it comes from family. I think it comes from individual families. Uh, most of the sea uh, level leaders who are uh, who are Indians or South Asians come from extremely humble beginnings, and they don't forget that, which I think is extremely exciting and um, and something to look forward to. Um, I would like to challenge what you just said by saying that we should have more uh, South Asians or brown, not just South Asians, brown women uh, in leadership positions. I don't think we have enough. Um, and um, that has been my motto for a while. And I think brown women can do wonders. And so give us a chance. Awesome. Well, I just want to thank you so much for coming in to our studio here and sharing your story. Um, it's always, I always enjoy talking to you. Um, you have great verve. Uh, you obviously have great vision and, uh, and you're not playing small ball. So uh, that's exactly, <laughs> that's exactly the story I want other people to see and hopefully follow. So Thank you again for coming in and being so open about your journey. Thank you so much, Holly. This has truly been an honor. All right. Well, thank you again, everyone, for joining uh, this edition of our Blueprint for Success. And as always, want to thank our corporate, uh, our sponsors at San Diego Gas and Electric. We'll see you next month.